Right, we're going to be looking at John chapter 8. Uh, do you remember the context of this? Um, last week, Vicky re uh, reminded us that um, Jesus is um, in a trap. He's, he's gone to the courts and the Pharisees bring a woman. Excuse me, I've got my cup of tea here. They bring a woman who has um, been caught in adultery, whatever that means. And they're trying to trap Jesus. But um, the first verse of last week's reading from the previous chapter, uh, John seven fifty three, was it? Says, everybody went home apart from Jesus who went to the Mount of Olives. So actually, he went to spend time with his father because Jesus only does everything out of revelation we'll see from this passage he reasserts that again and actually when he is in the trap when they are challenging him he's already got revelation he he stops and he he just and he listens but he's already got revelation as well and now we find him again coming to the point where he's going to speak to the people and he's he's coming from the revelation that he's already got so here we go John 8 verse 12 when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from nor where I'm going. You judge by human standards, I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law it's written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies my, for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. When they asked him, where is your Father? What Jesus says next here is blasphemous because he's talking about God and for an Orthodox Jew this is not this is blasphemy. You do not know me or my father. That's a bit of an accusation for the Pharisees. Jesus replied, If you knew me, you would know my father also. Whoa. You need to hear that that's blasphemy because that makes sense of verse twenty. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put, i.e. right in the centre of the courts where all the court guards are, where the, the power of the Pharisees is the strongest, so they could sort it. Yet, no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Go stop there again. Just think for a moment about what's coming in John chapter 14. I'm going to prepare a place for you so that you can be there with me. And Thomas goes, hang on, lad. We don't know the, we don't know where you're going, so how do we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. Here he's saying to the Pharisees, you cannot come. Where I go, you cannot come. Wow. Wow. The Jews said, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You're of this world, I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? 
they asked. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I've heard from him I tell the world. They didn't understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. I am he, he says there several times. That's, I am he. I am who I am. I am he. I am he. He's, there's a, the Pharisees will hear that claim of divinity there. It's subtly, it's there subtly, and we don't hear it from this great historical, cultural and geographical distance, but the Pharisees will hear it. And he says, if you do not believe, then you will die in your sin. He's, this is, there's a claim here to being Messiah. There's a claim here to, to being the one that God has sent. That's not what I want to focus on today. Let's get back to verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. What an amazing claim. He's saying I am the light of the world. He says later on, I've been trying to tell you from the beginning. I've been trying to tell you from Genesis. I've been oh, he's showing his pre-existence as well here. But he says, I'm the light of the world. I'm the one that enlightens. I'm the one that brings light. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. What a promise. Do you believe it? Because you, you have the light of life. Do you, fo do you follow Jesus? Yeah, okay. <coughs> well, you will never walk in darkness because you have the light of life. What? Do we believe it? Can we believe it? Why should we believe it? Let me ask you a question. How do you decide what is true? The BBC is a reputable source. Maybe everything that's on there is true. I read an article this week. Some of you know I used to teach economics. And the BBC do these helpful articles every now and again that's, that explain things that are, are technical. <coughs> so they wanted to explain... <coughs> What is a recession? So I thought this would be interesting to see what they say and how they simplify it. And they opened it up. The first sentence was, in normal times, the economy grows. And I just, I just looked at it and I was astonished because it's not true. That's not, an economist would never say that. In normal times, half the time the economy grows and half the time... The economy doesn't grow. Sometimes it grows slowly, sometimes it grows quickly, sometimes it declines slowly, sometimes it declines quickly. But over the business cycle, the trade cycle, it goes up and down. Yes, it, yes, it may go that way, but it goes up and down. So there are times of recession. I mean, I'm 55 and there have been times in my life of recession. The mid-70s. Um, towards the end of the 80s the middle of the 90s 10 years in between and there have been times of huge growth and times of decline low unemployment high unemployment high inflation low inflation it's, it's just it's cyclical the BBC is not reputable on that article it, it, you can't trust what it says let's do some maths together shall we let's assume the infection rate for covid is one in ten it's not it's a lot 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 lower than that especially around here but let's assume it's one in ten i'll just keep the math simple i'm an economist remember i've got to keep the math simple 
one in ten. We test ten people. How many would you expect? How many people do you expect to have the virus? One. Great. We could do the maths. One in ten. Ten people. Ten. Right. Now we double the number of people we test. The infection rate hasn't changed. How many would we expect? We've now testing twenty. How many would we expect to have the, the virus? An uh, uh, infection rate of one in ten. Two. So we can either say the infection rate hasn't changed, or we can say, look, the number of cases of the virus has doubled. One catastrophizes the situation and takes... The, it's true, the numbers with it have doubled, but that's only they've only doubled because we've doubled the number of people we're testing. The actual rate of infection hasn't changed. How do we work out what is true? Sometimes there's witnesses in a court of law. There's got to be witnesses, and Jesus alludes to that in the passage. Sometimes we test things. Is this true? You know? Will electricity hurt if I stick my fingers in the plug? Please don't. But somebody did it sometime, and they know it hurts, and potentially kills. We test stuff. We experiment. We try and prove that something is true. This passage, actually, Jesus is debating with the Pharisees how they know something is true. He says, you know, they say to him straight at the beginning, they're challenging him. They're challenging him. Look, it, it's only on your word that, you're, that you can say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never. Jesus says, well, do you know what? Even if I testify for myself, then it's valid. Because they don't know who he is. We take people's word for something because we know who they are and we trust them. So Jesus is the Son of God and, the, and only does what he do, sees the Father doing, only speaks what he, the Father has taught him. So what he speaks is true. And there are two witnesses, him and the Father. And here's verse 15. You judge by human standards. Implication, he judges by heavenly standards. God's economy is not the way we understand economics. God's creation the way we understand science, it helps us to understand what God has created. Please, I'm not um, saying we shouldn't use our brains. We really, really should. But how do we prove? How do we prove? Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. Can we prove it? Actually, we can. It says in Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. We can have an experience of him and know he is the way, the truth and the life. But they're saying, you can't do this by testimony you can't do it by human standards the passage shows the debate about what is truth and of course it's the wrong it's even that's the wrong question it's not what is truth because jesus is truth it's who is truth jesus responds and points to the heaven reality not to human standards not to human measurements verse 17 and 18 in your law it's written that the testimony of two witnesses is true I testify and my other witness is and here comes here comes a mantra that comes time and time again the father who sent me the father who sent me the father who sent me it's going to come again and again I stand with the father who sent me I stand with the father who sent me my other witness is the father who sent me if you knew me you'd know my father also we dealt with that being a blasphemous thing. If we just read this, it sounds can sound like Jesus is talk, talking in riddles. 
But if we have a heavenly perspective, can we go where Jesus is going? Can we go to the cross? Can we go to hell? Can we face and go through death in the way Jesus did? Will we know the resurrection? Well, actually, if we believe in him, yes, we could die to self. We could deal with our demons. We can face death with confidence and know that already we are raised with Christ in the heavenly realms, as Paul teaches. And the key to all of this is it comes from the Father. Even when they say, will he, will, will he kill himself? He says, no, look, get a heavenly perspective. I'm from below, you're from below, I'm from above. You're of this world, I'm not. We mustn't judge, we mustn't understand, we cannot do it in this overly rational way. Please use every ounce of your rational thought, but don't rely on it. We've got to rely on the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Revelation, which is the testimony of Jesus. I told you you'd die in your sin if you do not believe I am he. This is harsh words. If you don't believe Jesus is the Son of God, is the one that is sent by the Father, then you will die in your sins. And then verse 25, they they say this question that is all, all important. Who are you? And he says, just as I've been telling you, I've got much to say in judgment of you guys, but he who sent me, the one who sent me, my father who sent me, he who sent me, he's trustworthy. He who sent me is trustworthy. Wow. What I've heard from him, I tell the world. It all comes from the Father. Everything Jesus speaks is the Father's heart. They didn't understand this, of course. It says that in verse 27. And so Jesus makes it even more clear. When you've lifted up the Son of Man, he's pointing to the crucifixion. When you've, You will know I am he. I am God. And I do nothing on my own. But I speak what the Father has taught me. I speak... We speak so many words that are not what the Father by the Spirit is giving us. We speak what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. The one who sent me is with me. The Father has taught me. He's not left me alone because I do what pleases him. I speak only what the Father gives me. He who sent me is trustworthy. Wow. Do we believe this? Here we come. You've had this verse along here. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's the revelation Jesus wants to speak to the people. I believe he wants to speak it to us today again. He is the light of the world. As we follow him, we need never walk in darkness, but we have the light of life. Do we believe it? Are we like the Pharisees going, uh, excuse me, what, pardon? Prove it. Show me. Um, what do you mean, the Father? Um, I don't understand this. Again, I'm not saying we shouldn't use our brain and ask questions. We shouldn't say, we we can say, it's allowed. Who are you? What do you mean, Jesus? What is going on? But can we trust him? He's saying, the one who sent me is trustworthy. He, my father is my witness. He's saying that what he speaks is what the father has given him. I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. Verse 28. I do nothing on my own, just speak what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone. I always do what pleases him. Do we believe it? Jesus' words are authentic, not because they make sense, not because they're rationally provable, but because they are revelation from the Father's heart. 
So here's my challenge as I come into that. Do we believe that what Jesus speaks is authenticated by the Father as his witness? Do we believe that Jesus says nothing but what the Father has taught him and given him? Do we believe the promises that Jesus speaks in the scriptures? What about this promise? Uh, that he is the light of the world. Is he the light of the world? Well, that's a promise about him and a statement about him. So that's quite easy to believe, isn't it? Yeah, he's the light of the world. Get that one. Okay. Whoever follows me, do you follow Jesus? Yeah, hands up if you follow Jesus. There you go. Need never walk in darkness. It's a challenge, isn't it? I know we there's so much rubbish in the world, there's so much rubbish in our lives, things get in the way, and it's very difficult to to sometimes to see what God is doing. But the promise here is if you follow him, you will never walk in darkness. Why? Because you will have the light of life. It comes back to that thing. Jesus is the light of the world. Where is Jesus now? In me, by his Holy Spirit. So if the light of the world dwells in me, I need not walk in darkness. We do, because we sin, we ignore Jesus, we forget, all that stuff. But if this promise is true, and Jesus has gone through in this passage from verse 13 through to verse 30, he's saying to the Pharisees, you've got to believe my words, because my Father sent me. His witness is true. He is trustworthy. The one who sent me. The one who sent me. The Father who sent me. If we believe that Jesus speaks the Father's heart of God, then he is the light of the world. We follow him and he dwells in us. Therefore we carry the light of life. Which means we can see where we go. We need never walk in darkness. We can see the reality around us because we ask him, Lord, what's going on? Show us what's happening here. I'm going to do, I'm just going to lead us in a prayer, a time of reflection, and I'm going to ask the Lord to show us where we, where our unbelief is, where we don't believe him, and then I'm going to lead us where we choose, and we're going to use this phrase, I hope it's still there, and we're not going to say I am the light of the world, we're going to say he is the light of the world, and we're not going to say whoever follows him, we're going to say I follow you, I will never walk in darkness. I will have the light of life. We're going to make those declarations and then we're going to go into worship. So let's just take a moment. Holy Spirit, come minister to our hearts. Lord, where we've imbibed the stuff of the Pharisees, imbibed the understanding of the world, where we judge by human standards, where we want to test it, we want to experiment, we want to get proof and evidence and witnesses. Lord, show us where we have doubted the promises of God. Not the promises of people, not the promises of preachers, but the promises of God, spoken by Jesus. Holy Spirit, come, show us. Don't feel bad about this. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. He will convict you. And conviction never makes you feel awful. Conviction makes you go, Ugh, so that you can go, okay, Lord, I repent and I give it back to you.
Lord, we receive your forgiveness. We're sorry for where we ignore your words, ignore your truth, ignore your promises, where we want proof, where we trust in our own and lean on our own understanding. We will open our hands and let go of all things. Guys, can you repeat after me? Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. I choose to follow him. I choose to follow him. I will never walk in darkness. I will never walk in darkness because I have the light of life. Because I have the light of life. Lord, thank you. You dwell in us. The light of life. The light of the world illuminates our very being. Lord, we praise you. We worship you.